0: This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age, and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katy Gapayar here. And today we're joined by clinical psychologist Yaron Decates. With 45 years experience in psychology, Yaron specializes in psychological therapies for people on the autism spectrum. And he focuses his treatment on life skills and strategies for managing day to day situations. We're absolutely thrilled to have him join us today to discuss raising children on the autism spectrum and how families and especially fathers can be there to best support them. Thanks so much for joining us today, Joran.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: It's wonderful to have you on board. Now, you have extensive experience working with families, including those with children with special needs, specifically on the autism spectrum. What are some of the challenges these families face and how do they impact the relationships between family members?
1: There are multiple answers to this question. But the first thing I want to mention is that these children still need our care and love. It is before we talk about the word special needs, there is the word child or children first. And that determines um, the the special needs don't define, but are part of their identity. And in essence, a child needs our care and love. That is the best recipe for um, um, managing these children. Second thing uh, I like to say is respect for the parents. Uh, Another way of saying children with special needs is demanding parenting. If you meet a child with special needs who is relatively free of anxiety, you can tell that the parents have worked very hard at this. And for parents without children uh, uh, with special needs, it can look, yeah, well, that's what's supposed to happen. But they do not really realize how much hard work goes into making this happen for a child with special needs.
0: And I assume they do. It impacts the relationships between the family members as well because there is a lot more hard work involved. Just having, you know, children who are as you as we call them drip dry children um, is hard work. So having children who have special needs is really hard work. Does that impact um, relationships between family members? Yeah,
1: of course it does. I mean, um, if, if you have Uh, one special needs child, you could say that the the energy and time required is typically what would go to two other children. So there is a lot of demands on that. One of the hardest things for parents with a child on the spectrum uh, is that you hardly ever will be able to parent in a way that you would be most comfortable with. And in my work, I focus on the difference between the required parenting style, that is, if you get it all right with your child, and the preferred parenting style. And the bigger that gap is, the more you have a a, a feeling that you may be getting this wrong, whereas, in fact, you might be getting it right, but it doesn't feel right because it is not your preferred parenting style. So there is a grief process over the child that you didn't have but also over the parent, you can't fully be, because it requires um, strategies often,
0: and it's a big learning curve too, isn't it?
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we talk about that, there is no uh, training for being a parent. Uh, there is no training for being a parent of a special needs child. It uh, the child is born, and then you just will have to manage.
0: Yes, and um, do you find in your practice that? Um, most parents do manage, even if they think they don't?
1: Um, well, it, it's a hard thing to say. I think I would never like to minimize the, um, minimalize the, the, the efforts that are required. Uh, one of the tragedies, and I work very hard on that, is that when I see parents getting almost everything right, but not feeling right. So we work very hard on that grieving process of not getting the child that you expected. And you can't parent in the way that you would want to do.
0: Yes, um, it definitely is more challenging um, than having children who don't have special needs. Mm-hmm. We know that the first few years of a child's life are key developmental years. You're on, and this is equally true with children on the autism spectrum. Um, added to the fact that there is a learning curve for the parents, what can fathers do at this really critical? time to bond with their children and support their development during this stage
1: look when i started this work many many years ago i still would hear from fathers who would say i will relate to my child when he can kick a ball You're then four years too late uh, and there is some really interesting research i read a long time ago that said that if a parent plays with a child with object toys at six months of age The level of play around objects at six months of age is directly related to an increase in IQ at age two. So it is never never considered child's play. It is not to keep the child happy. You are constantly teaching a child without teaching it. I mean, I, I want to stress that too much deliberate teaching should never get away from your role as a parent. But... Don't ever think that child's play is just child's play. There is far more to it. You're actually developing a lot of skills in your child while you're having fun.
0: Yes, we said that at the Fathering Project, that play is a game changer. Mm. And um, that's how children actually relate. They learn, they develop through play. So play is key to everything. What should dads be more aware of as their kids grow from school to teen years? And can you provide some examples of activities or strategies that have been successful in the families you support?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I would like to extend this question a little bit further in the sense that um, I think it is important that we realise that mum and dad can parents differently. That is not the problem. The problem is if they don't communicate about that difference i rather have two parents that parent very differently but get on like a house on fire than two parents are very consistent but don't like each other. That will affect the child more. Um, I think that if um, a child is sick, you typically will see that they will go to the mother first. If a child needs something fixed, they will go to the dad first. I would never want to see that that blends in so much that each parent can do everything. Because it restricts the role models of adults that a child grows up with and therefore doesn't enrich the, the skills of dealing with different adults later in life. Um, so for dads to be active and play, to sit with a child while they watch uh, something on TV together, that togetherness is a totally legit way of being with a child um, And yeah, do what dads are good at. If dads are very good at other things as well, that is great. But the more you feel comfortable as a parent doing what you're doing, the more positive that factor in the child will be.
0: Yes, we say that again at the Fathering Project as well through the research that we do, that confidence in dealing with your child is key to actually doing a better job of it which is um, it's important to know, which is why we put these um, podcasts together to help fathers Great. be more confident in what yep. they do. Um, and um, there is, do you find that as um, children with special needs grow a little bit older, um, there is more issues with bullying or, you know, the the kind of things that um, all children deal with, but there's more of an issue with that because they're different to the other children?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, in the big biological developmental scheme of things, uh, bullying is pretty inherent in, in how even little kids deal with difference. I would love it to be very, very different. But um, a kid that reacts differently will have a target on their back, if you want to put it like that. And so they're an ethical approach from parents and teachers to managing that is really, really important. Um, What parents can do, what dads can do is not minimalize reports of being bullied, because one thing children report is that they were bullied and then they weren't believed and that really can do great damage to their self-esteem and their own confidence.
0: So take them seriously when they oh, say yeah. that they have been bullied. Yeah. And what should dads do in that situation? Do they report it to the school? Do they deal with it themselves? What do you suggest?
1: Yeah, well, that depends too on the, the policies of the schools. And you will find that most schools do not like it when one father goes and sorts another father out on the playground and has words with him. So, no, that's not a recommendation because the the, the school, even if you're in your rights, the school will turn against you. Um it is um yes, 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 talk to the school, have have it addressed, and hopefully the school, well, the school all schools will have a bullying policy and it will take it very seriously as well. Yeah, at the same time, I need to respect the role of the teachers as well, because you know, they used to just teach in the past, but these days they have far more roles in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the welfare of the children, etc. So Yes, talk to the school, but make sure you have a conciliatory way of doing this because in the end, if you don't, it will you don't want to be that parent because you, you will lose your credit. With And it shouldn't be like that, but hmm, that's the reality of it.
0: And, and how would you, if you had two things that dads could do to help build more resilience in their um, child if they are being bullied or to avoid that situation of being bullied, what two things would you say to them?
1: Um, Look, I, I I am incredibly fond of teasing, not taunting, but teasing. Basically, as parents, we are rather boring because we are so reliable and predictable and supportive in general that we don't teach a child how to deal with rejection in the home environment. Nature has a way of doing that and a way of dealing, learning about rejection is teasing, playfully toy with the idea of being rejected that will make a child stronger Um, rough and tumble games with a child not where the dad is always the winner not that one but they are very important in feeling that you have some sort of agency in your environment and that you can trouble your much stronger dad by being so clever at whatever you do all of those things They are are self-confidence builders for a child. You don't always need to use words, but what really suits dad in general uh, is the activities, is is the, the rough and tumble and to be engaged with them.
0: Wonderful. That's great advice. Thank you. And now in your initial consultation session, do you advise that both the mother and father attend? And what's the value of having both equally as involved in their child's development?
1: Um, Yes. Uh, And even when I talk to adults on the spectrum, I do not work with them individually, hardly ever. Um, No one is an island. Everybody lives in context. It is really important that when I work with children, adolescents, adults on the spectrum, there are messages too for their environment. They learn as much in the session, I think, as the person on the spectrum, sometimes more. You don't want to waste that resource and for one parent to be there to then relay it at home it is not effective they both need to be there but as a psychologist um i compared to a, a church organ with one keyboard you play with your left hand for mum and one keyboard for the right hand you play for the dad you you, you need I actually use two different styles of communicating between a, with the father and with the mother. That's a challenge, but I enjoyed that type of challenge. And so, even if the father doesn't return, but after the session says, um, like one of them recently said, I said, "How did that go?" He said, "Well, you have my attention." So I know I was getting somewhere. And then whenever. In the subsequent sessions, he couldn't make it because of work. But he had approved of my input and it made the work of the mother with the children an awful lot easier that we did later on. So, yes, I, we want to avoid an, almost a legal adversarial system where you work with one parent only, you get half of the story and it doesn't help. That's my opinion. I'm quite radical with that and I'm open about that. But I think have both parents in there and work with them both at the same time is vitally important.
0: Yes, and and we say the same thing, actually, that obviously um, mothers and fathers make a unique contribution. They're different and unique contributions to their child development. So if a child is missing one side, um, they will look for it elsewhere. Um, So it's great to have the mother and father there, um, both equally involved. Now, we know that many parents of children with a disability worry about the future for both themselves and their child, as well as struggling, of course, with their own emotions around their child's diagnosis. How can parents, but especially fathers, start to address their own feelings in these situations?
1: The first thing to say is that this is a serious concern to all parents I talk to. They, if they, the moment they start to be a little bit less overwhelmed by the here and now, they will think, now what if I'm not here anymore? And it is a serious concern. I would never want to underplay that. Um, the, the question about how should fathers start to address their own feelings in these situations, <coughs> I think it is important to realize that um, addressing your own feelings may not necessary for dads to actually be of benefit in the situation. Uh, Some fathers have difficulty accessing their emotions, let alone um, discussing their emotions. And particularly if we talk about kids on the spectrum, we know that there are genetic links and there is a likelihood that one or two of the parents might be similar in that way. Um, Research from debriefing situations with volunteers shows that about half of them are incredibly but have incredible benefit from doing the debriefing sessions. And the other half are re-traumatized every time they go through a debriefing session. So we need to be aware that there is not just one golden way to access your concerns about the future. Uh, What typically I find helps for parents is to have a plan, to have a strategy. And you may never, (laughs) you may end the process settle serious concerns that they have that they never even speak about because they can't but with the plan they are nevertheless addressed anyway and i think that is an important point to make that we all react differently
0: yes and, and we also have to um look after our own mental health and well-being um as well as look after those who are dependent on us of course
1: yeah
0: and and more so now than ever at you know, going in and out of lockdowns, this has put an even bigger strain on the ability to connect with other families, with children, with special needs for support. What advice would you provide for families during this time? How can they connect? How can they get the support that they need?
1: Look, it is interesting. When the whole lockdowns first started last year, I had many uh, people, adults on the spectrum, telling me this is wonderful because, you know, Um, There was even a meme going around, reach out to a neurotypical person because they don't know how to handle this lockdown business. Um, However, I have found over time that they have become affected by as well. And I borrowed from the term um, incidental exercise to incidental socialization. You know, the socialization that you have when you go to the shops, see people that you avoid talking to, but you still see them. Your retina records that you are amongst people, and I think it fulfills some basic needs. So I see now people on the spectrum saying that they are more affected by the lockdown than what they realized. Now, when we go to talk about how do we fix this, it, it, it is online. It is Zoom. It is Microsoft Teams. It's Hangouts. It's WhatsApp Manager. But make sure that you have a plan for what you do. Just starting a session and staring at each other can be quite awkward. So games are the way to go. Look for online games that you can play together. Um, Another option, and I did this with um, my wife just recently, we we ordered the the absolute same takeaway from a restaurant that actually delivers in these two different areas. And we were online eating the same food from the same restaurant, um, which was wonderful. Um, The other option is that you decide, okay, let's cook together, do an activity. So I know families where they put the laptop in the kitchen and they're making pizza or whatever, and they talk about what ingredients and how long and is yours in the oven still. So go online, but make it active. Don't just sit there and hope that talking will do the trick.
0: That's great advice. Thank you. Um, Now, last question for you. Um, After many years working with children with special needs, um, what do you think is the most important thing that dads need to know about their children?
1: Well, the first thing to state is that is for dads to realise that they matter a great deal. Um, uh, It is important for dads to realise that they matter, that they are important that they shouldn't wait until the child can kick a ball. They should be in there from the beginning. They're entitled to do uh, things their way with the children. But if we talk about the traditional family, uh, I I think that, um, of course, uh, a mother will typically have far more experience managing a small child than dad if we're talking about a traditional family. Um, But it, it, it should be he should be included in the process and want to step up and be in there uh, and particularly so with a child with disabilities uh, sometimes dads can get very um, despondent uh, and feel that they have a sense of failing of having a created a child like that that needs to be addressed if that is important um but dads matter matter a great deal and the chances for the child to do well later in life are hugely improved with um, dads being involved with that
0: process. Fantastic. Exactly what we say. Ditto everything we say at the Fathering Project as well. That's fantastic. Jeroen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely fantastic to dive into such a complex and important topic where families really need advice and support, and um, you've been able to provide that for us today. We hope to have you back on again. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of demand um, for your wisdom and guidance. Listeners, if you're looking for extra resources and support, Raising Children and Positive Partnerships are great places to start. And these links are all up on the Fathering channel on our website. Thank you again, Jeroen, and um, we look forward to having you on again soon.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.